Welcome to Kentucky Horsepower, the official podcast of the Kentucky Automobile Dealers Association. Good day, everyone. This is Jason Wilson, president of the Kentucky Auto Dealers Association, and you are in for another edition of Kentucky Horsepower, the official podcast of of KADA. So I have a special guest today, very pleased to be joining us, is Representative uh, Ken Upchurch of District 52. A little background for those of you who don't know Representative Upchurch, though I think most of you do, as for starters, he sits on the uh, House Transportation Committee. He is the chairman of the House Transportation Committee and uh, has really done a lot of good work on behalf of the car dealers throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, He has served uh, in the House, he originally served from 1999 to 2010 and came back in 2013, where he currently serves in that capacity, representing, again, District 52, which is part of Pulaski, McCreary, and Wayne County. So, Representative Upchurch, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Glad to see you again. Well, thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day outside and great day to be doing a podcast. There you go. Absolutely. Well, first, I know you're, um, it was a long session for sure. Uh, lots going on this last go, go around. So hope you've had a few days to uh, relax and catch your breath. This, uh, this session, it just seemed like it would never end. Uh, <laughs> of course, a 60-day session always has that. But yeah. I think the longer I serve, the longer they get. And I'm not sure if that's <laughs> that I'm getting older or, or just uh, a lot of the same uh, in Frankfurt. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said on, on, on both counts there, but uh, I think we'll start by, let's talk about some of these bills that went through uh, that you were uh, instrumentally involved with and uh, certainly were important to the folks listening to this podcast. And I'll start with uh, House Bill 284, which Representative Meredith carried, carried and that was uh, after a long-term effort by the task force, uh, we actually got legislation to to pass on this, and uh, obviously our dealers are very excited about it, but let me give your talks on, because you were involved with this from the beginning, uh, what is your take and regarding the importance of this bill and uh, uh, why it finally came together, so to speak? Well, obviously, you know, KADA has worked on this for a long time, and, and uh, I think just the stars aligned perfectly this for this session. Uh, you know, it's everything's moving to electronic, uh, transactions. Uh, so I think that's going to make, you know, transferring of vehicles, uh, anything that has to do electronically is going to make your all's life much simpler as dealers, uh, you know, interfacing with the Cavus system. Uh, so that was a bill that's, I think it was long overdue, but it's, uh, it's just taken a while to get through all the hurdles and negotiate with the clerks and, get everybody on the same page finally. So that, you know, I think that's something that, that uh, you all will enjoy for a time to come. Yeah, we, we are excited. Now we, you know, understand this is going to take some time. It doesn't go into effect until January of 24, but there are other moving parts of this that have to be completed. Most notably the Cavus system, which is a, another uh, point of interest, I'll say for our car dealers to ensure that gets done as, as you yes. know, you've been here a long time, and that's been an ongoing battle as well, but it seems to be heading the right way. Well, you know, we've got some pretty good leadership, and, you know, we understand, you know, especially since we took control uh, in 2016 and 17, you know, we're, we're trying to make Kentucky more um, and doing things uh, 
from the legislative standpoint that makes uh, the flow flow of business and transactional uh, things run much smoother and, and kind of get the state out of the way uh, so that business can uh, can do their business and, and keep government, you know, from mucking up things. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Obviously, uh, our car dealers deal with a lot of volume, a lot of transactions, stay busy constantly throughout the week. So any sort right. of uh, hold up or slowing down in those things certainly can be a uh, problem. So I agree. I think this is, uh, th- this is a huge uh, uh, bill that's passed and it's going to have really long-term effects in a very positive way uh, for those dealers uh, here in Kentucky. So we're very excited about that. Um, next, let's chat a little bit about uh, House Bill 490. This is one that didn't necessarily get a lot of attention and uh, uh, this one dealing with uh, counterfeit airbags and there was some language in there, frankly, that we were pleased to uh, get to keep out of that bill. But t- tell us a little bit about uh, House Bill 490. Well, that's one that uh, I'm sure you all know Judy Taylor. She came to me uh, with this bill, uh, you know, with counterfeit airbags. And uh, we filed the bill and then we had to withdraw the bill and have it have some uh, more work done to it. Uh, because our our friends, the uh, trial attorneys, kind of got involved in it, and they were wanting to uh, uh, add liability to the dealers, and you know that's something that you know if if you're buying an airbag, you assume that it's it's not counterfeit, right. uh, and you know saw no need to uh, you know add liability to a dealer who would install an airbag. So uh, that was the trial attorney's portion of it. But you know if you get an airbag, you want it to function properly and you know there is a i guess a black market out there on these counterfeit airbags that you know they may work they may not and so we want to make sure kentucky uh is a uh airbag safe state uh you know i, I tease some people i said this is an airbag bill not a, a windbag bill <laughs> so we didn't talk about it much well and that's a good point and it also goes to show that a lot of times it's not what you pass, but it's what you're able to keep out to uh, to keep things yes. uh, much cleaner and much easier. So from that standpoint, I know our dealers do, uh, you know, inspections and whatnot before they put a vehicle on the lot to sell. They, they all have a process of some sort that it goes through in varying degrees. And and uh, so I think this is a positive thing. And, and uh, as, as to the point made earlier, Sometimes it's easier to keep these things. Uh, less is more, as they say, and this is certainly the case. Uh, yes, is, is here. Um, look, another one that we've talked about, especially became an issue during COVID when everything slowed down and, and, and in some cases were ground to a halt. Was um, House Bill three twenty one as it related to temp tags? Let's chat on that for a moment. Well, that that was a bill. Uh, uh, Tom Underwood, you know, we we talked with Tom and Ryan about that bill uh, quite a bit, you know, and automobile dealers, you know, when they're trying to get a vehicle licensed, uh, sometimes, especially with COVID, getting the, the actual license plate to the to the consumer uh, with everyone working from home uh, became an issue because they weren't getting their, their temporary or they were having to use a temporary tag for, you know, well, they're issued for 30 days and and a lot of times they weren't getting their actual license plate till way after that. So they'd have to re uh, apply for a, 
temporary tag and it just it was just a hurdle that uh, I think was unnecessary mm-hmm. and so we added 60 days to that uh, and I think the cabinet can surely uh, get your license to you your, your plates and everything to you within 60 days and I think that will uh, it just cut out some of the process that people were having to go through and, and of course COVID I think really highlighted that issue mm-hmm. uh, I mean it was a problem to begin with but with COVID and uh, people working from home, uh, you know, they weren't actually in the, in the cabinet building at their desk processing this. And, and so it became, you know, apparent that something needed to be done. Uh, and so extending that to a 60 day uh, window, I think will, you know, it, it works and, you know, something we can revisit if we've got to do 90 days, you know, we can do that. But uh, everyone seemed to think that 60 days would be ample time. The cabinet was, you know, they felt that 60 days they could get it out in that amount of time. So that's uh, one of those things that hopefully will, as it goes into practice, uh, will make automobile dealers' life much easier. Yes, for sure. And it definitely cuts down on duplicating process. You know, again, you get that 30 days, you have to renew. And it's it's just more work for everybody. So I think this was... Really good, smart legislation that uh, serves a practical standpoint. And boy, isn't that what we're always trying to do, right? If you pass legislation, you want it to be good and smart legislation, which isn't always the case. But I think in the bills we've spoken about here, we really have a good moving forward trajectory here as far as making life easier uh, for those working every day uh, throughout the Commonwealth in these dealerships. Um, I think the last one that's, that's worthy of touching on as well is Senate Bill 91. And then uh, this Senator Higdon brought this bill forward and this bill makes basically legal current practices, allowing licensed dealers with a physical location, in Kentucky, to deliver and sell vehicles at customers home. Something that really we saw a lot of over these last couple of years. Yeah, that, especially during COVID. I mean, yeah, uh, it made a lot of sense because, uh, you know, you, the, the law was that you had to be do the transaction and everything on the physical location of the dealership. And uh, so when the, the dealer can deliver to the home and, and do that at the consumer's home, uh, you know, the paperwork and everything, it just, it makes things much simpler. Uh, and it's another, like I said, another thing that COVID brought to the uh, forefront. And I think, you know, going forward, you know, as we get past COVID, uh, it will make, uh, you know, sales of vehicles, you know, uh, uh, simpler. Uh, or give, it will give dealers another tool in their toolbox to, to uh, sell their product. Yeah, and the other thing I like about this bill and where we got behind it and supported it is the fact that it has to be a licensed dealer uh, physically in Kentucky. So it's, that was something that made us comfortable and really uh, felt good moving forward with and it added some protections to the, to the franchise system as a whole. Right. So I get some of your internet dealers that, or internet car sales people that, you know, where they're selling vehicles and they don't have a license in Kentucky, it, it really, it, it stifles that process. Yep, absolutely. So, well, look, th- th- that's some of the specific things related to our industry, but from your vantage point in, in leadership and the various things you're involved with, what th- the session just being over, there's a couple big items that certainly w- come to mind, but in your in your mind, what's what's the, 
I, I guess the monumental legislation or, or the important items that really serve the folks of Kentucky that, that uh, came out of this session? Well, you know, the I think with the tax reform passed uh, in the budget, you know, in years past, you know, if, if the legislature has money, then they want to spend it uh, and comes, you know, come up with all different kinds of projects and, and things. And we took a more, I think, adult approach about uh, especially having this uh, ARPA money, uh, the federal dollars that flowed in because of COVID. Uh, we took a very, I think, mature approach about how we budgeted. Uh, we budgeted to our actual needs, not necessarily our wants. Right. And uh, as a result, we had uh, a pretty good surplus and we parked that uh, with the idea of uh, doing a, uh, a tax, some tax reform. And, you know, we hear all over Kentucky that, you know, why aren't we more like Tennessee who has no uh, sales tax mm -hmm. or income tax? Right. Uh, and so we want to move Kentucky uh, toward a consumer based uh, taxing uh, base. Mm -hmm. And so getting rid of the income tax, I think is very important. And so we've taken the first step in that by uh, allowing uh, the income tax to drop from 5% uh, down to four and a half. And we've met all the triggers. Uh, and so that will take effect in January of 23. So instead of paying 5% income tax, we'll be paying a flat uh, four and a half percent. And then as we, uh, move you know across the years it's going to take eight to 12 years before it comes down to zero possibly faster depending on the growth uh, right. but we we budget uh you know part of the surplus is paying for that uh that tax cut and we think that it will create more growth in our economy more people to into kentucky who want to create jobs and so, therefore, they'll be spending more money, of, you know, at their discretion, uh, sure. and we will reap the benefits that, of that on the sales tax side. And so, uh, each year, it can't go down any more than a half a percent per year until it goes to zero, but it can't trigger up. So, we're, we keep triggering it down until it goes to zero. And, you know, there was a, an article in the Wall Street Journal that uh praised the legislature for not only passing that, but overriding the governor's veto of it. Um, so the governor did veto that, that, that portion of our revenue bill. And, uh, you know, we uh, overrode that overwhelmingly uh, because, you know, we feel that uh, it's, you know, the consumer's money. Uh, if they earn it, they should be able to spend it uh, instead of the state grabbing it up in income tax. So if they want to spend it, then we're going to get it on the sales tax side. And we broadened some, some of the sales tax uh, to some things that uh, we think will be beneficial to the state to help partially pay for uh, lowering that tax. But I think overall, the, the, the big th benefit we will have from it is, is economic growth and jobs and more people moving into Kentucky. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And look, you and I are about the same age, so... By the time we're in those retirement years, we should be down to about zero on the uh, income tax, which is not a bad thing. And hopefully we'll keep other uh, Kentuckians in the state when they retire versus going to some of these other states where they where they don't have to worry about that. 
Yeah, you know, it's important. Uh, you know, Kentucky is an aging population, has an aging population. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, obviously we want our retirees to stay in Kentucky and, and more people to move to Kentucky, but we want people to move to Kentucky that are going to create jobs and, and uh, bring industry into Kentucky. And, uh, you know, we started this uh, during the 2018 session uh, where we lowered the income tax from 6% to a flat five. And it actually increased our revenues. Uh, we we started seeing the benefits of that. And then COVID hit. We were uh, really looking seriously at during the 20 session, uh, the 2020 session uh, to continue that. But then we had that ugly monster creep up called yeah. COVID and that kind of slowed us down. So what we wanted to do was kind of see how uh, the revenues of the state survived. And uh, we came out of it, I think, uh, in pretty decent shape, a lot better, a lot better shape than some other states around us did. But um, and so I think going forward, we'll we will reap the benefits of, of what we did in this general assembly. I think it was the uh, best budget and best, especially the best revenue package that uh, has been passed in the 22 years I've been in the legislature. Uh, well, that's so, saying something that's that's encouraging for sure. Um, so on that note, shifting gears, obviously, this is an election year uh, here, here in the Commonwealth. What do you see as the, you know, a couple of the biggest challenges that uh, Kentucky has moving forward, looking forward that, that we need to be looking at, considering and uh, thinking about now? Well, obviously, you know, the, the big thing is, is our economic growth uh, and, you know, getting more people working. Uh, you know, we passed some uh, welfare reform. Uh, some tax reform, and uh, we've got to get more people working. We're like 48th or 49th in the nation in workforce participation. And if you're in business uh, and hiring people, you know that it is just very, very difficult uh, not only to find people that that will work, but the ones who will, you got to find the right person. Right. And during you know the 2021 part of COVID, you know, people just, uh, they fell off the work rolls and, and, right. uh, some found that, uh, they didn't want to go back to work. Uh, and you know, that's a problem. And so I think, uh, we can, you know, do some of these things that we've, that we've done in the session, uh, with the tax reform, uh, and getting some economic development in the state that'll cause, you know, not only the people that aren't working, uh, try to, lure them back into the to the system uh but grab some more people from other states to move into kentucky yeah look and i know you're well aware of this being on transportation as we talk about the car dealers throughout the commonwealth that uh certainly is a struggle in dealerships whether that relates to technicians salespeople, uh titling clerks all aspect of of uh, dealership it, it has been a challenge that is one of the top challenges right now is is staffing and as you know um uh, working in an auto dealership, uh, these are good jobs. These are good paying jobs, and uh, and that remains a challenge. So it's well, it gets us past it gets us past the supply chain issue that we have, where you can't get product off of the docks, right, uh, or from the from the manufacturers to the dealerships. I mean, it's it's and of course we all know the microchip problem that that we're having uh, in the auto industry. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's several other issues that, that, that have caused that. But, you know, we, we've got to get our people back to work and try to solve this supply chain issue. 
you know, just as an example, it's anecdotal, but the last two Sundays, uh, we've decided we wanted to grill cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. And so you go to Walmart, which is a mile and a half away from my house, mm-hmm. uh, you get your hamburger and you go to the bread aisle and there are no hamburger buns. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very frustrating as you know, the supply chain is just decimating, you know, especially small communities like I live in. And no, uh, it, look, it's, it's especially concerning. And when you're talking about food, especially it gets very concerning. Yes. Uh, and of course there's a host of issues that we can talk about both, uh, you know, on a national level that, that uh, uh, certainly impacts Kentuckians. One thing I just thought I would get your take on as, as a uh, representative, uh, as a, as a businessman and whatnot, you're certainly involved in, in social media. Just curious what your take is on the Twitter change uh, regarding Elon Musk now uh, as the privately uh, held owner of, uh, of Twitter. What are your thoughts? Oh, I love it. Uh, you know, when you've got an organization like Twitter or Facebook or these social media platforms that, that not only stifle free speech, but shadow ban, uh, people's opinions and don't allow, you know, whether it's left or right. Uh, and to this, to this point, it's been all the right that's been, uh, been shadow banned and, uh, stifled the, uh, the discussion, but, um, you know, free speech, you know, say what you want, pay the price for it. You know, there's a price to be paid. Right. Uh, if you say something that is just totally, uh, goes against social norms but you know that's that's part of living in a free country say what you want and stand by it but you uh, you know you've got an organization like that 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 just stifles that and and it's really the only uh twitter and facebook and uh they're the only two uh trash bins of society i guess (laughs) that people really pay attention to to uh for public opinion yeah Uh, and so is that part of it. I think if, if he holds true to what he's saying about opening it up to free speech and, uh, you know, letting people's opinions, uh, let them express their opinions, whether it's right or wrong, everyone has a right to their own opinion. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We know it's been an impact in past elections, uh, especially as social media has been a big part of it. So it will be interesting to watch. Um, so before we wind down, let's let's change uh, up a little bit. So when you are not uh, in Frankfurt and uh, on the transportation committee and the various other committees you're involved with and and house leadership, what are you doing outside of uh, in, in your spare time uh, between your family and outside interests? Well, right now I'm sitting in my truck in front of my insurance office. Uh, it's a lot easier to just do it by Zoom by in the truck because the phone probably be ringing in there and. And so I came out here to do it, but, uh, uh, we've got an insurance agency. My my family's been in it for almost 50 years. And, and, uh, I decided to join a few years ago. And, uh, so if any of the dealers need work comp, uh, liability insurance, uh, health insurance, we can deliver. Uh, so put in a plug for up church insurance and financial services while I'm at it, but, uh, you stay busy doing that. And, and uh got a little farming operation with my brothers and and uh, uh taking care of uh, mama's uh, uh, honeydew list keeps me busy. well hopefully you have a little bit more time 
doing that these days. And one thing I was told to ask you about is the uh, the Breakfast Club. Tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about the Breakfast Club in Frankfurt. Well, I know nothing. <laughs> that, that's top secret. I mean, it really is. You, you know, what, what happens at Breakfast Club stays at Breakfast Club. Very good. Very good. So if well, you we... want to come and participate, it's early in the morning in the cafeteria during session. All right. I'll have, I'll have to come first that, I know nothing. All right. I can't promise, folks, I'll be reporting back any details, but it sounds like I need to check it out for sure. So you're, that, you remember the you remember the movie Stroker Ace? The guy <laughs> says, I know nothing. I am merely a messenger. Uh-huh. I know nothing. Okay. All right. That, that <laughs> sounds good. It sounds like a good place for breakfast, too. Uh, on that note, Representative Vow Church, really appreciate your time talking to our members. Uh, appreciate your leadership uh, on the various issues. Uh, not only what we've just talked about from this last session, but in past years, uh, obviously transportation is a big part of uh, something we follow and involve with uh, as, as the auto dealers and uh, just very much appreciate your leadership through the years. And uh, again, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this edition of Kentucky Horsepower. We'll see you down the road.